backbeat The word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had a doubt I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Listening to the PCAST. Each week we take you around Austin P, the athletics department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson, he is Dylan Schwartz, and we come to you from a campus that is mostly cleared out at this point. This podcast will drop on Thursday after most exams have wrapped up. All that's left is commencements and three months of being able to park conveniently wherever we'd like. Dylan, how are you doing? Doing well, about yourself? Doing good. Uh, Game of Thrones. I think we uh, we whiffed on our guesses. Yeah, I, I thought there would be a lot more death. Yeah, like, uh, it was weird to be like, uh, wish more people had died. And I, I, I've seen the majority of people have, have agreed that it was a very good episode. Yeah. Um, I think the one problem for me was, especially at like the before they broke into Winterfell, it was much too dark. And I know I realized I'm not, you know, I was sitting kind of long, far away from the TV. The light was on. So I, I, I'll i probably need to wait for, like, a whole, like, Blu-ray release or something to get the full effect. But, I mean, I thought it was a little too dark. And then, but in terms of the actual death scenes, you know, there was really only, what, three, four people that, like, kind of died. And that, those were really ones that were... Like the, I think his name's Ed, the command, the guy who tried, to, the guy who saved the, Sam on the battlefield. I'm like I, I even forgot he, Ed, even, he was alive. <laughs> like, yeah, it had been a minute since we'd seen him, but like, the cool death, I guess. That's a weird way to put that. the The most interesting, from a visual standpoint, death. Maybe that's a better way to say it was Liana Mormons, but she's only like been a character anybody really cared about for what two, three seasons now. Yeah. yeah. Like no, none of the OG Game of Thrones characters really met a bitter yeah. end except Jorah Mormont. But we hadn't seen a lot of him in yeah. a couple and of years. Even the one with Jorah, like I, I don't, I'm pretty sure I didn't think he would die that episode. I, I thought he would die eventually, but I didn't think it would be that episode. And um, there's still some fan theories on what's going to happen to to Ghost, the the direwolf. You know, apparently he's in the preview for the next. I've episode. seen. Yeah. yeah, somebody sent me that screenshot. He was with the Dothraki horde that got extinguished. And that that was a pretty. And look, I'm not a military commander, but, like, you don't just send... They they did this all wrong. Like, okay, you've got the you've got the trebuchets and you've got the the uh, barricades and the Dothraki and the Unsullied are all outside of that. Like, why don't we back them up behind everything and maybe let the... Maybe let the White Walkers come into the light first because you're like, okay, we're going to send the Dothraki out to... Um, immediately die essentially into the complete dark where nobody knows what's going on yeah there's total darkness here and oh now there's white walkers and you're all dead within 40 seconds i think the rsc was really cool um you know kind of came full circle with the the dagger thing that 
Bran uh, gave her. What, what was Bran doing for the, you know, eighty percent of the episode where he like, I, what's it called where he goes to the uh, warging? Yeah, I think is yeah, what that's he called. He did. He did that and then came back for like a couple minutes. And by the way, him saying Theon, you are a good man, does not mean Theon go run and kill yourself by running to the night. I mean, I, it doesn't mean just to run. To your death, <laughs> could have tried to run away. I mean, Theon's been a pretty conflicted character yeah. for almost the entirety of this uh, this yeah. entire series. And he could have thrown a Madden spin move in or something. To try. I mean, he just ran straight for. I, mean, I don't. I don't think he had that in him. I don't think. I don't think he's got that in the bag. Uh, also, last week, a big thing in the area, maybe not Clarksville centric, but certainly important to Middle Tennessee, the NFL draft in Nashville. Uh, breaking all attendance and viewing records and turning into a three-day party right down the middle of Broadway, which is basically what happens every day in Broadway. People were like, were you uh, were you affected by anything that happened with the draft? Not really. No, because, <laughs> I mean, I don't – you can't really drive on or near Broadway anyway, and it's best for a Nashville native to avoid it at all costs regardless. So I went down for Friday – it was cool. Yeah. It was interesting to see how the sausage was made. Yeah. I was there Friday as well. Uh, stayed for the um, or some of the Tim McGraw uh, concert afterwards. It took a while. I was kind of tired. and I didn't expect uh, it to get as cold as it was. Yeah, it was actually a little chilly, if I remember correctly. Um, and the just the whole stage, per, you know, being – because we got pretty close up to the stage. It was pretty cool seeing all the people coming out, announcing the picks, just seeing that from a live point of view and – all the buzz around it. I thought it was a great, uh, great event. Hopefully, the, they can host it again because I will definitely be there. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go back. I'd, I'd do some things different this time now that I know, but I would yeah. definitely go back again. Uh, Taylor Wiseman actually got to shake hands with Roger Goodell, which oh. was uh, interesting. Wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have been near Roger Goodell being my uh, Boston sports fandom. I but, uh, yeah, I I kind of thought about that. Like how many. How many people do you think wish ill upon him as they're <laughs> shaking his hand when he walks by in those situations? Probably a lot. Um, in terms of things that happened to us in and around Austin P last week, um, Dylan has a championship to tell you guys about. Yeah, women's tennis claiming their first OVC tournament title since 2010 to go along with the OVC regular season title they picked up a couple weeks ago. Um, defeated Southeast Missouri and UT Martin in the semifinal and final rounds, respectively, both by four zero wins, you had Lydia Giannis Garcia and Tatiana Lopez um, getting singles wins in both matches. This has pretty much felt preordained since about like mid February, but still, this is you know a championship that you have to celebrate, and as well as an undefeated regular season, twenty two and overall, eight and zero in the conference, and then the two matches um, they won in the OVC tournament. Um, going into this, especially against Southeast Missouri. Both teams they played were regarded as teams that excelled at doubles, and both of these teams had chances to take the doubles point off them and allowed comebacks when leading and allowed Austin P to take that doubles point, and you had just have no chance if you're down 1-0 to this Govs team. Um, you remember how uh, it used to be when Tiger Woods really, really had his fastball where if he was kind of in contention, players would just start crumbling around him? Do you yeah. think that's kind of what it was for OVC opponents against the Govs? Like, as soon as we started making a move, everybody just wilted because they knew how dominant we were. I think we definitely saw that with U- with UT Martin. Southeast Missouri at least fought a little bit more, I thought, in the singles portion. Um, 
their coach was always telling their players who weren't playing to go cheer them on. They were loud. They were, UT Martin just kind of like fell apart. Like sometimes in the tennis courts, you see the players, you know, come on, and then insert mascot name here or like team nickname, come on, Austin, you know, whatever. UT Martin was just like, yeah, come on, Hawks, come on, Hawks, come on, let, let's go. And it was just like not enthusiastic. They more, were, more of a performance yeah. than they actually yeah. had their hearts in I it. I mean, the entire match time in the final was an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, I was planning I mean, to come and guys yeah, started at 10. I was going to yeah. come right after church and I texted you when I walked out and it's already done. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of that doubles point, against the Red Hawks, um, they had, they was 1-1 in terms of, uh, I think, or South East Missouri won number two doubles and then the Govs won number three doubles. Hanoka Nakanishi and Tatiana Lopez had a 12-match winning streak going into this match. We're down 5-2 at court number one, one seven five. So that you got to look back at that. That's 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 pretty much the match right there. They extended their streak to 13. Uh, they didn't. Their match went unfinished against UT Martin, but UT Martin held leads um, against Nakanishi and Lopez. They're at five three when the match finished, and they were up 4-2 on Danielle Morris and Fabian Schmidt in the championship at number three doubles. They gave up four games in a row. And then Lydia and Claudianos Garcia, who, even though their match went 6-2 and finished later than Morris's and Schmidt's that finished 6-4, there was four deuces in that match, and the Giannis Garcia's won three of them. So that's how you know coming up clutch, and both teams missed big opportunities, and obviously the Govs took uh, control of singles, just pretty much at least having three players whitewashing their opponents, uh, namely Lydia House Garcia and Lopez, as I touched on earlier, and then also Danielle Morris added a winning at SEMO, and Schmidt added a win against the Skyhawks. Quite the week, and there will be plenty more to talk about with women's tennis as we look ahead to this upcoming weekend. On the diamond for the baseball team, a sweep of SIU Edwardsville at home brings Austin Peay into a tie atop the Ohio Valley Conference standings as the calendar flips to May. Two outstanding pitching performances started the weekend for the Govs, followed by an offensive slugfest in which the Govs prevailed. Josh Wright towed the slab in the opener and was superb, tossing five and a third scoreless innings. Austin Peay got only two runs through the first seven, but David Martinez stroked a two-run single in the eighth, and Garrett Keeper followed with a bases-clearing double to put Austin Peay in the clear. Jacques Pichu, as usual, was dominant in the second game, going seven and a third innings and scattering two hits for the win. Malcolm Tipler went 4-4 four for four in the second game, with Parker Phillips driving in four of the Governor's seven runs thanks to a pair of homers. In the finale, the Cougars' bats finally came to life, but the Govs still had plenty of ammo in their own sticks. The Cougars struck with four second-inning runs, but the Governors answered with six of their own in the home half, and the teams dueled to an eventual 13-11 Austin P win. Kieber homered, and he, Martinez, Spain, and Matt Jocelyn each scored twice to aid the offense, while on the mound... Ross Walker, Tucker Weaver, Greg LeBan, and Brett Newberg kept the Cougars off the board over the final five and a third innings, with LeBan picking up his season's third win and Newberg earning his sixth save. And in its final home weekend in 2019, the softball team took three of four against opponents Moorhead State and Eastern Kentucky to send a what you would call a program-altering senior class uh, off from Maynard Stadium on a winning note. Friday's afternoon doubleheader took place against Moorhead State and saw the Govs absolutely thump the Eagles, winning a combined 22-2 to over the two games, 10-2 uh, in Game 1 and then 10-0 in Game 2. In Game 1, Kelsey Gross went the distance for her fifth win, adding a home run as well for good measure, while Lexi Ostowski continued a recent run of their play, collecting three hits. And in Game 2, uh, 
Morgan Rackle and Kelly uh, Mardonis combined for the one-hand shutout. So, excuse me earlier, 10-0 was the game two shutout, and 10-2 was game one. I, I was yeah. I was <laughs> changing. Uh, I was about to change what I was going to write for the closing little dig at you this week. Ah, you corrected yourself. <laughs> anyway. Um, Rackle and Mardonis combined for the one-hit shutout in game two, while uh, Os- uh, Osowski and Emily Moore each homered, and then Danielle Learman bookended the contest with homers in the first and sixth inning, with the last serving as a walk-off, since it evoked the mercy run rule. Uh, EKU put up more of a fight on Sunday, even taking the first game of senior day. The Govs went up 1-0, but fell 3-1, despite a 10-strikeout performance from Miracle, Gross, Learman, and Casey Acre each collected two hits, but the Govs never were able to string anything consistent together um, off the base uh, of those hits, and then they could have been saving up for game two, and as we have noted before, sometimes splits can be good, um, especially when you drop the first game of a doubleheader. Austin P put up absolutely unreal numbers in four or five innings. Gross set the program career saves record in the 11-3 victory. Rackle went 3-4 for four with a triple because there's literally nothing she can't do as Austin P is on the home stretch um, looking to cement themselves atop the OVC standings. Track made its annual trek to the Bluff City for the Memphis Tiger Invitational, a meet full of OVC foes with Murray, Southeast Missouri, SIUE, TSU, and UT Martin also on hand, kind of serving as a, a prelude, a warm-up to the OVC Outdoor Championships. For the first time in her Austin P career, Lennox Walker broke the 14-second barrier in the 100-meter 100 100 hurdles and is now one of just two among OVC student-athletes to do so this season. Morgan Bradley earned her first career pole vault victory as a governor, and Sabrina Richmond, Amelia Tessing, Kyra Wilder, and Elena Johnson closed the event with a win in the 4x400-meter relay, dusting the field by nearly four seconds. For men's tennis, uh, their watch came to an end in the OVC tournament. Um, They played EIU, who a couple weeks ago they had defeated 4-0, but this time the Panthers won the doubles point. That made it pretty difficult for the Govs to come back and and win this match. Uh, Christian Edison and Timo Kieslik each picked up wins in singles, just like they did against the Panthers um, in the first meeting in the regular season, and number one uh, player and senior Amantas Ozelis seemed just mere moments from taking the W number one. Just needed one or two more games to close that out, but the match um, was at three two. Or match was at two two, and then EIU got simultaneous victories at singles. Pretty much, literally a win, and they had a really annoying guy <laughs> from their team who would always be like, "That's a set on court number four, or that's a break on court number five, and so on and so forth. So obviously, everyone's gonna know what what's uh, going on when he's yelling out and he goes that's a match on five or, or whatever it was and then that's a match on three and then that was the game literally in real time about 10 seconds apart on the points and that ended the the governor's season and also ended the Austin B careers of uh, Ozellis, Chad Woodham and Hunter Sanders. Ozellis ranking in the top 10 in many uh, many metrics over his Austin B career including um, singles wins and doubles wins. Before we get to our usual weekly honors, the ESPYs were last week honoring the best and brightest of Austin P Athletics last season. The women's tennis team cleaned up, obviously, uh, getting team of the year, uh, coach of the year, coach of the year, just a everything. I believe they also got the Govs Cup, they which got the Legends Award as well for yeah. Um, Legends Award for Lydia Giannis Garcia, well-deserved on that front. Some of the other big awards for that week, uh, or for the season, rather, Terry Taylor 
uh, most outstanding male athlete, Morgan Rackle, most outstanding female athlete, as we alluded to, uh, Lydia with the Legends Award, uh, a well-deserved cap to her career, and then also... Um, Parker Phillips. And oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, boy, I, I am. I thought I, you were looking for that award. I am blanking right now. I should have wrote that down. Yeah, Parker Phillips getting the Legends Award uh, on the men's side after uh, setting all kinds of records for home runs during his Austin Peay career. Uh, for the weekly stuff, Danny Learman hit 591 with three homers and a double among her 13 hits, driving in the game winner in all three softball wins for the Govs last week. She earns her fourth career OVC Player of the Week honor, the most by an Austin P player in program history. And between the podcast we did last week and now a lot of stuff happened for Miss Tennis, they obviously won a championship. They also had a lot of all-conference honors on both sides, starting with the men. Um, senior Amantha Sozelis wins first team all-OVC honors. He became the fifth player in program history to be named to either first team or second team All-OVC uh, all four years of his career. Um, all, all, all the other four players played um, in that really um, really successful stretch for the Govs around 2010 to, to 2015 or 16-ish. Um, Christian Edison and Timo Kieslik also garnering second team All-OVC accolades, both the first All-OVC honor in their careers. And on the women's side, uh, there is a lot to take in here. Ross Brown, first off, coach of the year for the women's tennis um, in, or for women's tennis in the Ohio Valley Conference. It's his second career coach of the year honor, but first for the women. He won it once as uh, designated for the men's uh, coach of the year. Five Govs won all OVC honors, starting with Tatiana Lopez, Fabian Schmidt, and Helena Kupik, all winning second team all OVC honors. It was uh, Kupik's second career. Um, second team All-OVC honor Schmidt, who was the reigning OVC Freshman of the Year and um, won first team All-OVC last year, also went, had second team All-OVC honors. And Lopez, the transfer from Kansas, um, with a second team All-OVC accolade as well. And then the Giannis Garcia sisters, um, Lydia Giannis Garcia, a four-time first team All-OVC recipient. Um, she only joins one other player to be named to a uh, All-OVC team for for all four years of your career, and I've, I'm blanking on her name because uh, Sh- Shannon Peters back in 1988 through, like, I think it was 91. I so, uh, like Hall that. of Famer Shannon yeah. Peters. Hall of Famer Shannon Peters. Um, so that's some elite company that Lydia will be joining. Claudia Nas Garcia also makes her return to the All-OVC teams um, for tennis. Missed a lot last year due to injury, so you think if she doesn't make – doesn't get injured, she'd probably be joining Lydia and, and Peters on that list, but still well-deserved for, for both of them winning first-team All-OVC accolades. And I'd like to point out here that chances were pretty good that if Abby Schmidt hadn't started the season hurt, she would have gotten yeah. first-team as well. She was still coming back, and um, she played her first singles match lost, right? But she was still not 100%. Then she had like another seven, eight days to rest, and she has not lost since. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a, yeah. that's an okay season. Uh, we'll take a break, wrap this up, and bring in Natalie Schilling of the softball team. A great interview and a fun person right after this.
one of the building blocks for the last two seasons of Austin B. Softball that has seen the program undergo not so much a change as a resurrection. Natalie Schilling has been one of the faces of that change in that resurrection. And even though it's finals week and softball's still going on and she's got many, many, many better things to do, she's in here today to talk to me and educate you all about a bunch of different subjects and topics that I picked out over the last hour or so. Natalie, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Good. So your mom's a professor here, professor of chemistry, right? Yeah, the different kind of chemistries. Different kind of chemistry? Yeah, like organic, biochemistry. Uh, oh, like the super smart person chemistry. Yeah, all that, all that chemistry, smart stuff. So you went to Rhone for two years, but were you always kind of trying to get back to Clarksville and Ostapee anyway? Um, I actually liked being away from home. Uh, the plan was to, you know, like, go away to college, have fun, and then see where it takes me, see what my options were, and then Austin P just happened to be the best option, so I came back here, good old Stashville. Is it difficult to have your mom be a prominent professor on campus? Um, honestly, I don't ever see her, so it yeah, does but, not affect my life. But people that you do see a lot also do see her. That's true. Um, Morgan has done some research time with her, uh, put in like six hours. My mom always complains about how little amount of time she spent in the research lab. So, uh, other than that, I don't hear any complaints. But your mom also knows how busy you guys are as student-athletes as well. So she kind of gets it from that end, right? Yeah, and I kind of told her that, you know, we're busy. She can be your research student. She's going to be awesome. But she's not going to put in the hours that you want her to put in you are the group therapist for lack of a better word i've been told that you kind of conduct uh, on the bus therapy sessions could you elaborate <laughs> on that okay well we were coming back from oh i can't remember semo maybe and i don't know i guess i just got on the bus and was asking my coaches like hey like what, what is your ideal of, of, a, of like a romantic night out? So I got into that and then I was like, you know what? I got on the bus and I looked at Lexi and I was like, Lexi, tell me about your last relationship. <laughs> and that pretty much just turned in me going around the entire bus asking people like about their current relationships or their past relationships and how that all panned out. I, I don't know, it, it was fun. <laughs> Wow, that opens up a whole lot of uh, spinoff questions. Did you ask Chris Austin about his last relationships? No, I didn't. I kept, I kept the coaches out of it because when they heard the conversation kind of spark up, they put their headphones in and they didn't care to hear what we had to they, say. They didn't want to hear much more than that. Okay, that's fair. I can I can understand that. Uh, did, is this something you've done a lot? No, it was just that one particular time. Your younger sister, Abby's at Rhone State right now playing softball, correct? Yes, she's a sophomore. Is she kind of following in your footsteps to Clarksville, do you think, or is there a different path for her? Uh, I don't know what her options are right now. I know that she's mentioned going to a couple different places. I don't think she wants to come back just like me, but she wants to continue her career, so she's going to go wherever she wants to go or wherever she needs to go. I've been told by several reliable sources that you have an extremely dry sense of humor. True? Uh, I think I'm the funniest person I know, so. 
Yeah, I was also told that, too, <laughs> with uh, quotation marks around, thinks she's the funniest <laughs> person. Well, we had our senior gifts, and everybody had to write a letter to, like, the different seniors. And in every single one of my letters, I got, you're the funniest person I know, or you're the best hype man in the OVC. So, I mean, give credit where it's due. Hype man? Please expand on your role as hype man. <laughs> This is game day hype man, right? Well, uh, pretty much hype man for anything, I think. Really? Yeah. Please do tell. Um, let's see. Okay, the other day we were playing EKU, and the first game, you know, didn't really go how I wanted to go. So the second game, I didn't get to play, but I was like, you know, my role is to, you know, encourage in the dugout. So I take it very seriously. I've made up a cheer of my own. We call it the Natalie cheer. And no one's allowed to lead it except for me. And I just keep on making it more and more annoying, pretty much, so that the team gets distracted. And everyone that I got loves it. So. How does this cheer start? <laughs> it goes. Uh, her name is. And then. <laughs> And then so on and so on. I added the, the ah part in the beginning at EKU. <laughs> so so you, you do take this seriously. Like, it's not just something to do because you get bored in the dugout. Like, there's a method to this. Well, I mean, it is because I did kind of get bored. But, I mean, why not be loud? Like, if I can't be a part of it, like, on the field, then my duty in the dugout is to... You make my appearance known, I guess. <laughs> Over the last couple of years, there have been huge changes in the softball program, and you've been a big part of that. Coming into it, you knew, especially because you grew up in Clarksville and your mom's a professor here, you knew where we'd been as a softball program before you got here. How rewarding is it to see where it is now? Oh, I mean, it feels great, honestly. Um I don't know, like, the culture is, like, changing, and it's it's awesome to be a part of it, honestly. Are you surprised, or as soon as you got on campus, did it kind of feel like maybe something was different? Well, I was surprised because I've known their past. I mean, you look in the Dunn, there's no softball banners, and when I fir actually, when I first came here the summer before, my grandma was here for my sister's graduation, and... Um, she looked up, she's like, there's no softball banners. I want you guys to change that. And I didn't know that the change was going to be that quick. So even even though you saw the talent and everything, it was still difficult to to imagine that you guys could just overnight, basically, yeah. turn it into what it's been. Yeah. How much credit do you guys, does your senior class t have to take for that? Because, I mean... It, you showed up and all of a sudden we started winning <laughs> like there's is, is there causation or correlation there um well i think that the addition of the three jucos really helped honestly and not just tooting my own horn but i think that like before i came here in my role i'm a good base runner so what i bring to the table is stolen bases and i may not hit doubles and i may not hit triples but i can get on first and get myself into scoring position which help which helps like danny hit me in much more easier than having to score from first and then Morgan I mean she's unbelievable we can go on and on about Morgan and Kelly's role last year and then this year still in the circle just 
I mean, they're awesome. And then the rest of the seniors, they've always been good. You are incredibly fast. Like, surprisingly is not the way to say it and not sound insulting, and I'm not trying to sound insulting, but, like, when someone sees you run, you... Bad podcaster, doesn't know how to use words correctly. You're really, really fast. <laughs> has, it, has your game always been predicated on speed this way? Uh, I'd like to say that before I turned into a slapper, I was a power hitter. But, uh, yeah, pretty much. That's Even when I was little, I, when I wasn't very good, I was still used as a – like my sister would do the batting, and I would come in and run for her and run around the bases until I got better. And then I got to be a full-time player. And, you know, so, yeah, I've just – I've found – a way to be like to be a part of the scoring process. So that's talk what I about bring to the table. being a slap hitter and how that's way different than your traditional two in the box batting stance that everyone grows up. Yeah. Well, I grew up on the right side, a normal hitter, and then my coaches at uh, Roan State they wanted me to flip over to the other side since I was so fast. And, wow, the challenges that it has brought. But you know what? You take it with a grain of salt and you keep on working. So you taught yourself as a collegiate hitter to base, to just change everything? Yeah, basically. Um, my coaches didn't know how to coach slapping, and not a lot of coaches do. Um, but they knew that they wanted me to be a slapper, so... It was pretty much just trying to figure out what's working, what's not, and just put the bat on the ball. Well, if they don't know how to teach it and you'd never done it, how was that process? Um, it wasn't too bad, honestly. A lot I mean, it, it got me transferred it, to D one. Yeah, so. it got you here. So obviously, you were very successful at it. But like, how do you study? How do you learn? Is it YouTube tutorials or do you call somebody? Uh, I kind of just worked through the uglies on my own. On I didn't look at any YouTube videos. I kind of I I've taken a couple lessons here and there like when I was younger, but I kind of gave that up, and then they wanted me to bring it back, so I just kind of worked through the uglies on my own and figured it out. You've had two coaching two completely different coaching staffs mm -hmm. in two years at Austin P, and how do you? Obviously, the success is translated and carried over, but just from one year to the next, how do you kind of? keep everything together when there's uncertainty surrounding your coaching situation well I think we have a good group of girls we didn't graduate too many we kind of kept the same core so yes it was new coaching they had different coaching styles but it was the same girls and we knew what we all had the same goal and we knew what we wanted so it it just translated into this year how do you top last year can you top last year like from I know you can win a championship, and that's better, but just from nine wins to, what was it, 39 wins? 39 wins. Last yeah. year? I mean, that's that's a really, really big jump. Yeah. Um, well, we're in the position to at least be co-champions if we went out. So, I guess if we we get that honor, then that's top of next year, and then ultimately winning the tournament and getting some rings. That's what everybody's big discussion has been. Anytime I've talked to a softball player this mm -hmm. year, is it's all about rings. Mm -hmm. How did that mindset 
when did that mindset get adopted by the entire locker room? Um, honestly, just seeing our success from last year um, and knowing that we didn't lose, we didn't lose too much. We knew that we had everything, all the tools that we needed to be successful. And I mean, if you're not setting a goal to get the ring, then what are you doing? There could have been complacency coming out of last year, though. You know, you guys did really, really well. Surprise to everybody. You could have just said, hey, look what we did. Wasn't that great? Mm -hmm. And then rested. Mm -hmm. You didn't do that. What is that a testament to? Is it a testament to the locker room, the new coaching staff? Who gets the credit for that? Uh, I think the girls, like our drive to want to win, I think that's that's the big thing. The coaches, they want it just as much as we do, but we we know what we want. We want the rings. Could you please explain to me and to everybody listening how it's possible to eat 14 tacos in one sitting? Mm. Honestly, it's not that hard for me. But, oh, you just got to grind it out. Look, I'm a big, beefy, fat person, and <laughs> y'all are just, you, the listener, are just listening to us, and she's like, she's skinnier than the microphone stand. I weighed 130 this morning. Whoa, wow. <laughs> and I last weighed anything beginning with a one some 15 years ago. So my goal when I eat, like specifically this one time before I had tacos, I weighed 136, and... I set my goal to weigh 140 by the end of the meal. And I went, I weighed myself before, 136. I weighed myself again right before I was done. And I was like 139.5 or something like that. So I just ate one more taco and that put me at 140 even. <laughs> oh my God. So, so, <laughs> was there ever, <laughs> I guess it speaks to your drive and determination as an athlete. <laughs> You weren't going to let anything stop you. No. Um, I would have follow-ups on that, but that was actually a very clinical answer. I'm very impressed. Well, yeah, you get the whole setup. You, when you go to eat 14 tacos, you can't make five tacos at a time, put everything away. you got to keep it all out. So then it's like, oh, yeah, I can make another plate full of tacos. And that's pretty much how it goes. I'm gonna, That's good advice. I'm going <laughs> to remember that. What is your favorite word? Um, I don't know if my coaches are going to approve of this word, but I like booty. You realize one of our basketball players' nicknames is booty, and that's what everyone who's ever met him calls him. Really? I did not know that. Antoine Butler's nickname is booty. Booty. Well, I like the word booty. What is your least favorite word? It would have to be scalp for sure. Scalp? Yeah, it does not roll off the tongue at all. Huh. I really thought of it that way. I mean, say it. Scalp. It's nasty. Scalp. Scalp. <laughs> I don't really think of that word very often, to be honest. Who or what inspires you? Um, I'd say my parents inspire me. Um, obviously, that's always the answer, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last book you read for fun? I don't read for fun. Um, I guess the last book I read was Chopwood Carry Water with the team. And that was kind of our motivation to get through the, the season. Yeah, but even then, that was like an assignment from a coach, right? Yeah, I don't read for fun. I watch movies for fun. Any good movies you've watched lately? Uh, I, what did I just watch? 
Uh, Avengers Endgame like the rest of America? No, I'm going to watch that, though. Hmm. I don't know. I couldn't tell you what last movie I watched. Probably Step Brothers or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm very glad that 11 years after that movie came out and nine years after I got out of college, college kids still like Step Brothers. I swear, when Step Brothers came out, I watched it every day for a month. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what is your worst habit? My worst habit? Um... I probably lay in bed for too long. I probably put sleeping over homework sometimes. Okay, so you just like go home and just, all right, I'm going to lay down for a few minutes and then two hours. Oh, for sure. Two hours later, you just kind of, oh, well. Oh, for sure. Or even like when I'm getting up and ready, I'm like, oh, I'll get up in two minutes. And then I'll start scrolling on my phone and it's 20 minutes later and I'm late. What's the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Um, Okay. There was this one time I was driving home from workouts, and, you know, I was driving, I was at a stoplight, and some guy was coming on from the other side, and he, like, drifted into the lane, went up a little hill, flipped his car into some trees, and then just walked out with no scratches, and I thought it was going to be so horrible, but... You thought you were about to watch a person die. Yeah. Like, I pulled over, and I was going to help. I was all ready, and then he just was, like, up and at him. Wow. What's your idea of happiness? Um, what's my idea of happiness? I don't even know how to answer that question. Uh, um, I could tell you where my happy place would be. Is that somewhere? That's a good start. Um, somewhere on a beach, I think. Or just around my friends or something. What's your idea of misery? Mm, when my mom gets mad at me. It is pretty bad. This one time I missed conditioning in high school my freshman year. It was one day of conditioning. And the next morning she got all of my my brother and my two sisters up, and we had to run the neighborhood twice at 5 a.m. in, like, the snow slash rain. And it was it was horrible. Wait, you missed conditioning, and your brothers and sisters had to get up with you to oh, go yeah. run. And we had... We had to run it twice because my brother stopped like two feet before we got into the driveway and she was just not playing that morning. Wow. Yeah. Can't imagine what she does to the kids in her class. <laughs> what makes you self conscious? Um, Morgan always makes fun of my big forehead. She calls it a solar panel and it really hurts my feelings. <laughs> Wow. Y'all don't pull any punches down in the softball mm-hmm. locker room, no. do you? It's okay. I get her back, too. You want to you wanna say what you make fun of Morgan about? Um, this is your form. You can say whatever well, you want here. Usually I talk about how, oh, you're top 100. You can do whatever you want. You're uh, your pitcher of the week. Like, I just throw her awards in her face, and she gets so mad about it. But I don't know why she'd get mad, because they're yeah, awards. Like, I'd feel honored if I was top 100. Yeah, that's a weird... Yeah, you're so good at stuff. It's Yeah. <laughs> what is the most embarrassing song that you love? Um, I love... Um, it's probably Booty. I listen to that song literally every single morning. It's like my anthem, honestly. How would you prefer to die? Okay, I prepare this one. So I'd either want to die in my sleep, so painless, 
or on the flip side something like I'm skydiving and I'm going to pull my parachute out and the parachute doesn't come out and I literally have a probably have a heart attack before I hit the ground but I just hit the ground and I splat everywhere like one or the other yeah boy there is a lot of middle ground to cover between (laughs) those two nothing in between though just peaceful death death or or grease spot yeah if you were reincarnated what would you like to come back as and why um specifically my dog opie because he is spoiled and i love him and he's a good cuddler too so a dog i guess i was gonna say i don't think you can come back as something that's already alive (laughs) but i'll i'll check or or i said earlier a male lion because all they do is sleep all day and the females go out and do the hunting and i get the first like bite to eat so what might prompt you to lie uh, well, I guess if I'm getting in trouble, but I don't know. I don't really lie. Look, if Zach Lotto will tell the truth about this one, everybody's got something. What would prompt me to lie? Um, probably if I'm getting in trouble. But usually if I'm getting in trouble, I deserve it, so I just take <laughs> it. <laughs> what makes you hopeful? Um, uh, what makes me hopeful? this one um i guess i know that no matter what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be successful because i'm driven so i know i'm never gonna be homeless so that gives me hope (laughs) um but and i know i have like my friends and my family always lean on so uh yeah makes me hopeful (laughs) what's our purpose in life oh that's deep um i don't know leaving your legacy leaving the world a better place than left it what are you planning to do once you leave here you know you've got softball a couple more games hopefully more than a couple yeah and then the Um, world so next semester is when i do my student teaching so i'm gonna student teach and hopefully pass my ed tpa i'm gonna pass my ed tpa and then in the spring i'm gonna kind of do like substitute teaching and kind of bounce around schools to see which principal I get along with the best or which school I like and then try to get a job from there I guess and then more recently over the summer I'm going to work at Covert and here in Clarksville and it's like the escape games so you have an hour to get out of the room so my sister is getting a promotion there so I'm going to get her job so <laughs> that's good so nice yeah so you want to stay local you want to stay around Clarksville um I would like to venture off sometime, but I think in the near future I'm going to be in, in Stashville for a little bit longer. Well, we love keeping our residents of Stashville <laughs> around as long as we can keep them. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'll be an alumni. I'll be in the stands every single game. They'll hear my chatter <laughs> for sure. Are you going to stay and do Natalie cheers for every sport? <laughs> I might tell them. I might make up a new Natalie cheer and give it to them so that they have something. But I'm not going to do a Natalie cheer in the stands because that's – that's a little bit too much, I think. You could be like our version of the crazy EKU super fan. Yeah, Donna. How is it everybody knows her name? Donna, right? for sure. She, after the OVC tournament, she came up and gave us a little, oh, you guys are so classy kind of speech. But, yeah, love Donna. What a gal. We we need one. And I think that's a, that's a role you could fill here if you were so inclined. Yeah, I guess. I mean, 
opportunities there. <laughs> well, Natalie, I appreciate you coming in today and taking a few minutes to listen to me ask whatever insane things came into my <laughs> head. Uh, best of luck the rest of the season, and good luck to you and the rest of the Govs. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Natalie, for coming in, and you got to stay tuned to the end of this. Uh, we're going to post a, a bonus question after the, the music wrap-up that Natalie was insistent that I bring her back in and ask, so uh, you'll want to stick around for that. We have a plethora of Austin P student-athletes set to graduate this weekend, and they would love to have the support of anyone who's available Friday or Saturday to hit up a graduation and cheer them on one last time before they go off and change the world. And obviously the semester getting very, very close to its end, and seasons are getting close to winding down. But first, women's tennis got a big one this weekend. Yeah, um, the biggest women's tennis match since 2010 when they last made the NCAA tournament, putting their unbeaten 22-0 record on the line against, ironically, number 22-ranked Wake Forest in the opening round of the NCAA tennis championships in Athens, Georgia. The Govs got the number three seed, in the four-team playoff, normally the OVC champion receives the four seed and is either thrown to the Wolves, to Vanderbilt, or the SEC champion, as long as they're in somewhat a close proximity. Um, Georgia, who is the number two-ranked team, but number one overall seed in the tournament, um, they take on number four-seeded SWAC champion Alabama State uh, in the other match. I can't assume that there'll be a lot of surprises there. It would be the upset of the century if yeah. Alabama State beat Georgia. Yeah. Um, no OVC team has ever won an NCAA match, and according to our in-house statistician, also by the name of, of Colby Wilson, no OVC program has taken so much as a single uh, single individual match. So it's always been four zeros or whatever, whatever score they went to back a long time ago. Um, so... As I mentioned before, Gov's number three seed in the pod. It's a testament to their body of work. It's something that speaks to what the selection committee thought of the team. And looking on the Wake Forest side, obviously they've played a lot you know, stronger competition this season, but they've lost five of eight coming into the tournament. And it's not inconceivable that the Govs could win this match. Um, about Wake Forest, um, they had uh, five of those losses that I just mentioned, all to ITA top 30 teams, though. So you have to take that into consideration. Emma Davis is their top singles player, played the whole season at number one. She's ranked number 35 individually in the nation, 15-9 in the spring, but only 3-6 and six in her last nine finished matches. Um, Davis and her partner Chandler Carter, also the number one doubles team, ranked number 34 in the country with a 15-10 and 10, uh, spring record. Uh, and then the number two doubles team also broke in to the, I think it's the top 90 they do for doubles because they're ranked 79th in the country. I'm pretty sure it's top, uh, top 90 doubles teams that the ITA, ITA ranks. Um, it, Eliza Omaru, hope I'm saying that right. and She's m- probably not listening. Yeah. <laughs> and Mary Caroline Meredith, they are the number two doubles team for the Demon Deacons, 16-5 and five this spring, so a very good record there. They're on a three-match win streak and 7-3 and three in their last 10 matches. But again, 
Wake Forest only three and five in their last eight matches, and they have a 13 to one home record this year. But in away and neutral site matches, only seven and seven. So there's a staunch drop off, at least in terms of results. And you think that probably correlates with the level of play that they've been, you know, um, level of play they've been, I guess, playing at uh, um, away and neutral sites compared to their home courts, where it's probably more familiar. So I think overall, when you're looking at all the statistics, the OSP women's tennis team has a probably as best an opportunity as any OVC women's tennis team to have ever, you know won an NCAA tournament match. And you look at two years ago, SIUE, 21-0, you know, got beat everybody in the conference blanked. and got destroyed by Vanderbilt. Um, so hopefully the Gov- the Govs need to get out to a good start here. The Devils point is huge. Um, obviously two uh, ranked opponents that they will go up against. So if they're able to take the Devils point there, I put them in a wonderful position. That will be in Athens, Georgia, this Saturday beginning at 10 a.m., will be the start time for that. I have no idea. I guess Twitter will be your best way to keep track of that. Are they streaming that? They they are. They're going to have live stats. And, well. and a, they have a video link as well. And um, it's going to be on the same page. So they're going to have like a broadcast. And then I'm, I'm assuming because you probably won't be able to cover all the courts at one time with video. So they're going to have live stats right below it based on what the last Georgia statted live match was, which, you know, so it looks to be um, – Looks to be all in order for if any guys want to either make it out to Georgia or sit at home and uh, follow along from their computer. On the diamond with the Govs stepping out of conference this weekend, this is a good time for Senior Day, which occurs Sunday in the finale against Jacksonville. It will be a full weekend at Raymond C. Ham Park in addition to Senior Day. Saturday will be Military, Military Appreciation Day, in which the Govs will host Gold Star families who have lost loved ones on the field of battle. Friday is Little League night with all Clarksville area Little Leaguers in their jerseys set to receive free admission. Uh, There's games, there's prizes, there's pizza, trivia, all kinds of fun stuff for the kids on Friday. As for the the on-the-field action, the guys have played Jacksonville five times in their history, the last meeting coming in 2001 in an Austin P. win. This is the first time Austin P. will host the Dolphins, who get on base nearly 36% of the time as a team but have only 80 extra base hits in 44 games. That is not good. No, yeah, that is that is not good. That's practical. But also, you know, we we know what our park and we know what our uh, league is in terms of hitting. This is a, yeah. this is a hitter's league. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. mostly a hitter's park. I don't know what it's like for Jacksonville. Tuesday, the Gus will visit Rocky Top to take on Tennessee for the fourth time in the last six seasons. Austin P's last win against the Vols came in 2012. But the 24th-ranked Volunteers of 2019 are one of the SEC's best pitching staffs and will give Austin P the sort of challenge they could expect in the NCAA tournament. For the softball team, this last weekend sees the Governors making up he, or making up missed contests against UT Martin and SIUE, and these games can play an absolutely massive role in how the OVC regular season title race takes shape. If the Govs win out, which they win all four games, they would earn a share of the OVC regular season title and that has never happened in program history. And, you know, it's kind of a weird week because you don't really do an EUT Martin SIUE trip very often. Um, so it's going to be important for the players to stay focused and, you know, to, to take one game at a time especially. Um, in terms of um, season – or in terms of season uh, – or pro series history, history. series history. history. There we go. The Govs have won three in a row against the Skyhawks of UT Martin and then swept last season series – against the Cougars so hopefully the weather stays out as well because if the weather tries to cancel one of these series one of these games I don't know how 
they're yeah, gonna, like, there's no there's no margin for error really this weekend. No. I guess Saturday is your margin yeah. for error, but and I think if if they're, you're not able to play one or one game or a series this weekend, that's going to be extremely unfair. Especially if Austin P comes into a place where they end up winning a game or two first, then having the other ones canceled and not being able to play. I mean, you have to have something in place to try and have these, you know, ha- have the players compete for a title. I mean, opinion. that's that's why this weekend is kind of the way it is where you've got you've got this last little bit of time where you can try if weather ruins your spring the way it has for us to fix it. Uh, I hope I'm hoping fingers crossed that the govs get these games in because they deserve to have that opportunity to at least sh- see if they can tie for yeah. first overall because I mean that's a that's a huge milestone for this program it's a huge milestone for any program but for a program that uh, was winning nine games pretty consistently year over year not all that long ago yeah. to now be in the running for a share of the conference titles tremendous track and field's gonna have a really light week this week uh, saw head coach Doug Molnar today uh, he was hoping to give the whole team a rest this weekend if the guys do travel and it sounds like he may take three to four. They will travel to Bloomington, Indiana, for the Billy Hayes Invitational. Uh, we'll firm that up later on in the week, and you'll be able to see who is going, if anyone is going, at letsgop.com. And just because the ESPYs are over and nobody's counting your community service hours anymore does not mean you can't benefit from or benefit the community and help folks out. We have Mana Cafe, Buddy Ball, Burt Elementary. We have our usual stops. Um, weekly opportunities are there. Go see Haley Jacoby. She has all the information that you need if you or your team want to stay involved in uh, the community. And speaking of the good folks in our academic services department with the semester closing out, reminder, get your books back to Haley Katie and Ryan in academic services before you depart for the summer. If you're a student athlete, please don't make them track you down. They've got plenty to do this time of year. Get in touch and stay in touch with us via web and social media. Dylan, where on social media can people find us, even if we're losing one of our key social media people? Yeah, I want to give a um, maybe a bittersweet uh, congratulations to, uh, to Tyler Davis, who will be going to Wyoming to take his talents there um, has been revolutionary. All you know, all those graphics that you guys see, all that content. He's been a huge part of that, along with with Taylor Wiseman and video services. So we want to congratulate uh, Tyler on his new opportunity. But we're also miss him. Um, and that that being said, you can still find us at uh, Let's Go P. Yeah, we're not just gonna shut yeah. them all down. <laughs> you can still find us. At Let's Go P. Don't worry, we'll be we'll be getting stuff out there for you. We'll have everything still covered. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Let's Go P. You can follow every single team, uh, individual team uh, on Twitter as well, their respective uh, team handles. I've never listed them on here because it would take a long time, and personally, I don't want to do that. So That's the that's the kind of commitment that we're always looking for from you. Let's Go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stefan Olay, and myself working tirelessly and ceaselessly to keep you informed of everything you need to know. I hope uh, when I mentioned last week that Katie Locke and Sydney Hooper love visitors, so I'm hoping that some of you went down to go see them in this especially busy time. But um, with baseball season coming to a close, football season is now on the horizon. Um, you want to get season ticket info or or however, whatever you want for football ticket opportunities, you go see them. They'll have 
your uh, they'll have your answers and they're still as Colby mentioned a couple big promotions and interesting fun promotions for baseball so we still have tickets available for those as well and speaking of departures Sidney Hooper gonna go to UNC Charlotte and work in their ticketing office so it's you hate to see good people go, but also at the same time, it's nice to know that their their efforts and what they do here for us is getting recognized and they get to move on to other opportunities. I hope she doesn't listen to the podcast because she is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Whatever. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Got some information this morning that they updated a lot of the things uh, at the Let's Go P site to make it a little more streamlined and user-friendly if that is how you find us. Give us a rating and review on the podcast, and if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Wish us good fortune for the summer as we travel or catch up on sleep. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at Dylan Schwartz, the German way. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you all next week. Goodbye. A uh, addendum teaser to the beginning or end of this episode. I don't know where I'm going to put it yet, but uh, Natalie had something that she wanted me to ask <laughs> her, which is a new one for this podcast. Most people are ready for me to get done asking them things. What is your favorite memory? Okay, it was uh, it was after we ate Whataburger in Texas, somewhere in Texas, and I guess the Whataburger didn't sit right with the uh the wonderful woman that sat behind me on the bus and she completely ripped one and it stunk so bad it stunk so bad that we are three me- three months post fart and we're still talking about it every single time we get on the bus it was the stinkiest fart i have ever smelled in my life one of your teammates <laughs> did this and is nameless. You're not going to name names. No names. But she but knows. But now and it's everyone knows. And now it's out there. Yep. <laughs> I had to put that out there. <laughs>